What the hell happened in East New York? This is a podcast that tries to answer that question. I'm Alexander Abnos, and there are four parts to this. This is part one. Now, this podcast isn't just about East New York. It's also about this guy. I've been obsessed with East New York. That's Kevin Heldman, and, well, he said it. He's obsessed. Now, a little bit of background on Kevin. He's an award-winning journalist, and he specializes in covering really down-and-out places, like homicidal satanic cults, psychiatric wards. These are just some of the things Kevin has written about, so you sort of get an idea of what kind of journalist he is. These days, though, he's staying a little bit closer to home. He just can't stop talking about East New York. This place is crazy. So what are these? Oh, I'm sitting here looking at a whole pile of newspaper clippings. All about East New York that I've been collecting for nine months, 12 months. Now, Kevin, again, is the guy that brought all the newspaper clippings. He's talking to Michael Shapiro, who is the founder of the Big Round Table. You know what the worst crime area in New York City is? No one knows. It's Harlem, South Bronx. No one knows. And I say East New York. Majority of people don't even know where the hell it is, even New Yorkers. And East New York is small. It's 5.6 square miles. It's a small little area. For 25 years, every single year, East New York has the highest crime rate in every single category for 25 years. I mean, everything from murder to rape to petty offenses to felony. 2013, the most recent uh, available stats, East New York, 75 precinct. 3,902 major felonies. Felony assaults, which you almost killing a person. 944 felony assaults. Misdemeanors, it includes things like uh, misdemeanor dangerous drugs, misdemeanors uh, sex crimes, mis- mis- impaired driving, misdemeanor assault, misdemeanor uh, offenses against the person, aggravated harassment, petty larceny, misdemeanor assault, whole bunch of misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. 12,510 misdemeanors in East New York, 12,000 in this little area. This thing has not changed and no one says shit about it. I didn't know what, what, what did I have besides a fucked up ghetto where people were bad. Why is it like this? Why, why, why this particular area and not like, you know, Hunts Point and Bronx uh-huh. for 25 years consistently? Why? And why is it? not addressed. Every other South Bronx, Harlem, it breaks my heart. Why? What up, Brooklyn? Brooklyn? It's your motherfucking boy, Fish Grease Jenkins, E-Way Gang. E-way gang. Yo, what up, Brownsville? Brownsville. What it do, Crown Heights? Crown Heights. What's good, Best-Eye? I see you, Canarsie. I'm Coney Island. Coney Island. Ocean Hill. Ocean Hill. Clinton Hill. Clinton but I'ma take a time out to let y'all know where I'm from. Where I'm, I'm from East New York. I'm from East New York. What? I'm from what? East New York. I'm from East New York. What? Where the guns do the talk. Where the guns do the talk. After that first meeting, Kevin's obsession with East New York really started to take hold. He started sending emails to Michael Shapiro. They came at midnight, noon, any time of day. Commas optional. Sentences flowing one into the next, pretty much the email equivalent of how Kevin speaks. These emails included links to songs by East New York rappers, including the one you just heard. He also sent long, rambling observations. Here's one of them. This is not at all just a crime or a cop story, which I initially thought it was. This, this place is literally the most miserable 
dysfunctional, saddest, sickest, desperate, doomed neighborhood you can imagine. It's not a war zone or a hard hood or the urban wild west, even though its crime stats would super qualify it. This is a dumping ground for everything that is toxic, ugly, dangerous, brutal, dirty. There's industries, waste, massive institutions for the mentally disabled, massive high number of shelters, methadone clinics, drug rehabs, wastewater treatment, along with 12 massive housing projects all in East New York, 5.6 square miles with 200,000 people scared to death or scaring each other to death, losing their minds, their health, their lives at some kind of urban astronomical rate. I saw it when I was there. I just didn't understand or realize it until I started researching. Now, it seems hard to believe, but all this started because Michael told Kevin that he needed to get out there and write a story that's fun for once. He suggested, you know, you could go to Coney Island and write about a day on the beach, the amusement park, the boardwalk, the kind of thing that's really not in Kevin's wheelhouse as a journalist. And Kevin did go to Coney Island. But he didn't stay for long. Kevin continued gathering information. And the two met up again a month later. What do you got? East New York. What is? What, do you, what are we looking at here? So, what, show me. I'm looking at this giant map of New York. It's not. This is a very, is a very specific area. This is East New York. The Far, so this area, the area that's marked in purple, or just no, the No, that's area? the industrial, the hellish industrial zone. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking here. So in the north is Highland Park, city line, this new is, this lots. This is all considered East New York. This is all considered. Yeah. And these, Up to Brownsville. This is the border. So there's wait. a cemetery to the north. It's five miles of cemetery. And what's Spring Creek Park, where it says no access? No access. It's right, the su- it's right near the uh, 26 Ward sewage treatment plant. And that, herb, look at the, that little, that, that red square. Yes. Yeah, so heavy there. industry. In that little area, not even not even junkyards, is that too? This is like heavy, crazy industry. And then on top of that, there's five miles of cemeteries. To the left of it, to the west of it, is Brownsville, which is hell. To the south of it is the I think it's Jamaica Bay. There's nowhere to go. It's the water. It's a polluted water. And to to the east of it is uh, John F. Kennedy Airport. <laughs> you know the L train? It starts in Manhattan, Eighth Avenue. So I get on it, and it's packed. That goes through Manhattan, then South Manhattan, then it goes, you know, Williamsburg is on there. And all the hipsters, young people, culture. And then, you know, Bushwick's and that, you know, it keeps on going out. It's packed, can't even stand. By the time I'm packed, going into East New York, there's three people on the train. Me, usually a older lady who looks exhausted, working three jobs, maybe like a homeless guy, and sometimes rowdy, it's deserted. It would be easy to discount Kevin for a number of reasons, but the big one is this. He clearly, already, is in way too deep on this story. Kevin's passion and willingness to put his life on the line to get a story is part of what makes him the journalist that he is, but it's also what can make him a real challenge to work with. His obsession can turn into rage, and his rage can overtake everything else. So, choice number one is to tell Kevin to just forget about East New York and try again on a different story. But the problem with that is, Kevin isn't wrong about anything he said so far. Those crime stats, the astronomical rates of assaults he mentioned before, well, they check out. And the neighborhood's nicknames tell you all you need to know. East New York is known as the Killing Fields, Dodge City, among others. Kevin's other primary complaint is about the low standard of policing in East New York, and again, he's not wrong. 
Despite being the city's most dangerous neighborhood, East New York is a common landing spot for brand new police. And there's a documented history of police corruption here, but we'll get into that in a later episode. I mean, there's sewage, there's mentally ill, there's sex offenders, there's garbage, there's no bars, nothing to do. It's, it's like ugly and sick and pathetic. And, and what you're describing is a fail, almost like a, a neighborhood that is... Yeah, it's almost engineered to fail. I mean, playing around with titles, I had, I had like the, the island of broken... Everything is broken in East New York. Everything is broken or broken down or wrong. Highest, the second highest number of, of chlamydia in the entire city, the highest number of sex offenders living there, the highest stop and frisks, the mental illness, the highest number of shelters, the highest number of methadone clinics, the largest in New York State. Look at the, in, on the map, see, mm-hmm. look at that giant yellow thing. Yes. Can you read that? Office of Mental Retardation and Developmental Disabilities. That is the largest institution in New York State. They just changed the name, and now it's being... It's on the chopping block because so it's being closed you, down for tons of malfeasance and corruption. So every problem gets dumped there. Yeah. Well, there's t- one good thing. When I was walking there, I heard what I thought was a call to prayer. What I heard in Afghanistan, I'm like, this can't be. You know, they, I thought I was hallucinating. There's no way there. It's really loud. And, uh, but I kept on hearing. I was like, I wasn't sure. And months later, months later, I'm researching, and I, I came across this. The, the, huge mosque, I think $300 million renovation for a giant mosque in East New York. And it's humongous. And they, where else in New York City do they have a, a public loudspeaker? They would never allow it anyplace else. Call to prayer in New York City, you know, there must be some violation. They wouldn't allow it. <laughs> Say someone opened a mosque here, they're going to a PA, it's all across the neighborhood. But I'm like, oh my God, it's a $300 million mosque with a call to prayer? Even the good is unusual, because yeah. what other neighborhood would allow that? But yet, next to the wastewater treatment plant, next to the sanitation to hellish, next to the post office zone. The more I kept on saying, this is not a regular story. This is not a regular hood. This is not a regular bad neighborhood. This is not Mott Haven. This is not Harlem. This is not South Bronx. This is something different. There has to be in this story. There has to. It can't just be nihilistic. Yeah, there's good people there. I met a. There's, there's a, a woman who's raising two kids. She doesn't let the kids. She's a working a, as a checkout woman, a checkout uh, cashier person in a like food emporium. This is East New York. She, her kids, seven years old, eight years. Old, they have to go from the school immediately in the house. They, they can't leave. They're prisoners. She's, she's a good. She's not a hood or. I understand. In fear. I understand that. I understand that, but you're telling me the same thing. You're telling me it sucks, and I know it sucks. If you're going to go on this journey to East New York, you got to be in. Pers- you got to. You, there's got to be a, a question that you want to answer. What's the question? Yeah, I don't see a way out. I don't see a way out of East New York. Now, Kevin isn't entirely right about that. There was once a way to get out of East New York. It's called getting evicted. The place was crammed with factories and industrial buildings in the early 1900s. It was kind of a manufacturing center for all of New York City for a while. But then between about 1960 and 1980, the place lost 80% of its manufacturing jobs. 80%. Now, when people lost their jobs, they also lost their ability to pay mortgages on their homes. And when they lost that, they had to move out of those homes. 
And with people out of those homes, they eventually became empty because, again, there are no jobs. And it became safer to just burn and demolish those houses than keep them open. That trend, which started over 50 years ago, is still ongoing. Now, the city recognizes this, and they have tried and continue to try to stop it. In 2015, the New York City Department of City Planning published a plan for East New York where, okay, fine, those sugarcoating euphemisms that I referred to before, they actually totally do come into play here. Where some might see a deteriorating subway station filled with violence, like I described, the department sees a, quote, rich transit network. And where those empty lots sit, you know, where the houses used to be, they see, quote, vacant and underutilized land available for redevelopment. Now, to be fair, they do actually propose to do a lot of good things. They focus on a little chunk in the north near Broadway Junction Station, which is, comparative to the rest of East New York, fairly easy to get to. A lot of subways go there. And they want to attract a lot of people into the neighborhood. The plan includes park improvements, a new school with a thousand desks. But the most heartening to Kevin out of everything mentioned in this report is relatively small. It's a boys and girls club. A safe place where youth can, you know, just go and do almost anything. They have academic programs, they have athletic programs, art, music. But the physical space that club would occupy isn't even the main attraction. It would be part of a much larger development that would include retail, affordable housing. It's not really the main push here. But Kevin, who you might be able to tell right now isn't the most positive person about East New York, thinks it's great. He says that it's heartening. Why does he feel this way? Well, it could have something to do with the fact that in a different time, in a different era, Kevin might have been a kid that would go to that club. But more on that in the next episode. This podcast is presented by Dig and the Big Roundtable. It's produced by me, Alexander Abnos, with help from Anna Hyatt. Now, there's a written component to this podcast, too. It's Kevin's story about East New York. You can find it at dig.com, along with some great photos by Anna Hyatt and some really cool data visualizations. The theme song and other music for this podcast is by Jim Oker, with a little bit by me as well. In this episode, there's also a clip from the song I'm from East New York by Fish Grease Jenkins. The Big Roundtable publishes ambitious narrative nonfiction. You can find them at thebigroundtable.com. Its staff, founder Michael Shapiro, editor Mike Hoyt, senior editor Sissy Falagant, and publisher Anna Hyatt. Writers on the site are paid by reader contributions alone, so if you go there and you like what you read, please donate as you see fit. Dig curates what the internet is talking about right now. This entire project would not have happened without them, so thank you to Dig, and thanks to you for listening.